This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Build a better strategy. Right now, we're getting ready for renewals in the fourth quarter, which um, most small and mid-sized companies, even some large companies, are renewing right now. Uh, Large companies are reviewing, and they actually have data right now for 2024. You should be definitely reviewing your health plans now, but let's just talk about strategy. Before I get to that, I want to talk about strategies leading into all the things we do with the benefit programs. But uh, I wanted to relate it to running because I've always been a runner, even though this year I've been really slacking. But even back in the day, uh, I played multiple sports, um, football, wrestling, baseball, at least until high school. But then when I was in the military, not with the military, but um, I would run six miles three times a week and still had no idea what I was doing. Always kept running. Um, didn't have, of course, we're young and immortal um, at that point in time. And so then life takes its toll. Uh, I worked at the scuba shops uh, seven days a week uh, for a couple years at least. And so my lifestyle had changed because I was devoted to the work that I was doing and it took me off my game. And so eventually one day I'm just like, okay, I got to do something different, right? It talks, you know, changing my strategy, right? And so I had to retrain, right? And do it all over again. I couldn't just jump to six miles. Uh, a couple times I tried to, and then I would, my recovery was several days, if not longer, and then I, I would run again. And so, but I always had this three mile barrier for years uh, that anytime I work my way up, I would get the three miles, I would push through three miles, uh, three and a half, four miles, depending on the route. And usually it was always the same right lower calf that I actually end up getting hurt. And, uh, and then it's like every single time. And if it wasn't the right, it was the left, but most of the time it was the right side. Who knows? Maybe I slam on the ground a little harder on my right side, but it seemed like every time I build back up, I would hit this. I would have to go through a five, six week of recovery of not doing much at all. And then I would go back right, right to it. At one point in time, this is years ago. Um, I'm not really a hundred percent certain on the year. I think it was 2010, but I was invited to be part of a relay team that um, every year, uh, and I don't know if it still goes on, but every year for a long time, there was a Madison to Chicago relay race running just uh, like an ultra marathon. It's 200 miles, but you could break up the relay any way you want. Um, you just had to pre-register, I think. Um, I don't remember the details. I was added to the team. I was not part of the original team. They just needed an extra runner. And so somehow I got put down for the six mile run of course, I was a little bit nervous about it because I've only been running up the three and having this issue. And of course, on this run, I end up getting hurt, um, you know, in the calf, of course, right? And I had to walk a lot of it. Uh, it probably took me two hours to complete it. Uh, I don't remember the exact time, but definitely much longer than anticipated. The six hours should have been closer to an hour uh, because of all the walking and the pain I had to go through. But uh, the good news, nobody complained. They actually provided aid when I got back to the, the next aid station. The team was fine with it. But it, anyhow, it just took a while. And, and what, it, what it, I had to do is I end up having to change the strategy. So obviously going through recovery and then I'm like, okay, I got to change things up. It's just not working, right? Every time I do this, I get hurt and I can never get any longer. And also at the same time, um, I started 
learning a little bit more about running and some strategies that are related to it, but also this new thing that came into my mind called ultra running. And I had no idea what it was. And it was first introduced through an audiobook when I was um, listening about boxers and so how they train and some of the things that they have gone through and a little bit of interviews of some past boxers. And there's one chapter in ultra running. I have no idea why it was in a boxing book, but it was there. And so the very next book, um, audio book that I was listening to was actually about Olympic athletes and how they train and how they perform and, and performing at a level to try to compete for the gold. And so there's one section in there on ultra running. And they were just trying to relate it to the mental toughness uh, to all the other sports in, in the Olympics. But it was kind of weird to me that two books back to back brought it up and I had to go Google search, what is an ultra run? And so, and that's where my long distance running really started because now I got intrigued by this endurance um, athlete type thing, but it, most of them were amateur athletes. Some of them are a little bit more professional, but, and they're able to compete and, and run these races at 50 or hundred miles and sometimes longer. And I couldn't even fathom even like any reason to go over 10 miles. So it just really fascinated me. And of course it went from there. And even to this day, even though I'm not really doing ultra runs more recently that I still get two ultra running magazines. And so I still stay in tune on some of the things that are going on in that world. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get back to this because this is really what I want to do. And so I started with one mile at a time until I was bored. I mean, literally just bored out of my mind. Um, I, I, I almost got to the point where I just didn't want to run anymore because I, I wanted to try to stay disciplined with one mile long enough so that there was kind of like time on my feet. I made this up on my own, so it wasn't part of training schedule. I just thought, well, let me just stick with this and just start from scratch. Let's build some muscles that maybe haven't been there. And then uh, I would say I did that for six months, one mile at a time, three to four days a week. That's all I did. And then eventually I was like, you know what, maybe I should start increasing. And I did it in increments and I used the 10% rule. So, but I did it like every two weeks or so. And so I would increase it by 10% every, every two weeks. And then by the end of that running season, I was definitely, um, at three miles again with no pain, no consistent, no problems. I would run three miles, even four miles at a time and never had any problems. And then obviously that was the the breaking point where I think whatever it was, I, I was able to train those muscles in a certain way or get to a certain point where I could start going longer distances. And that's when it was started really getting cool where um, at least in the running world, that is where you're starting to do 15 to 20 miles. And then eventually, you know, some people have a hard time believing it, but you know, there's times where we had 25 miles as a regular training run, where some people run 26 miles and that's the biggest run in their entire life. And we were doing it as, um, a, uh, training run. And then uh, a lot of times even, um, warm up runs for the week, we're doing, you know, 15 miles at a crack. And so, uh, it's just a different, like you change your strategy, you change your outcomes based on what, what the goals are, where you're going and what, where you want to go and then where you have to go in some cases. And then, uh, and then also how to get there. And, and even today with, uh, I haven't been running in 2023 that much, but when I was running for my last 50 mile run, uh, I had zero issues with calves. The only thing is um, because I do jump rope often for other workouts for cross training that uh, my uh, they just get tight and uh, that's really about it. 
Now, when I did my 50-mile run the last time, I did have to uh, quit early. I quit at 32 miles, and the reason being is because there was too much pain. I had stomach uh, pain that uh, I believe was caused by the Gatorade type thing that they were giving. It wasn't Gatorade, um, but it was whatever they were mixing with water. I think that I wasn't used to it, and so and then I had I did have a lower leg problem, but it was in the ankle, and uh, uh, I couldn't massage it out, so um, it was some somewhere deep, and I decided that was going to be best that uh, we'll go ahead and uh, quit this race. But 32 miles isn't too shabby, right? Uh, for a Saturday afternoon, um, I thought it was pretty good for that time. I just wish um, that I was able to finish, and my goal was to finish it at a better time. Uh, a lot of things with running and, and life, and, and when we get to business um, topics, um, a lot of times it's like the tortoise and the hare, right? Just because you go fast doesn't mean you're going to finish strong. And so um, even when the 150 mile I did complete, there was several ladies that were speed walking the whole thing, and um, I got to talk to them a couple times during um, some of my walking stunts, and they were speed walking the whole thing, and they still beat me by a long shot. And so, um, whereas I was trying to run and beat a bit a different time, and it just didn't really work out. So the Taurus and hair uh, definitely came uh, true then. But everything ha- happens incremental, and you have to be consistent about it. Nothing happens overnight, just in general, especially for big things such as an employee benefit program. But even before we get there, like just with running. You know, how do you change things? You know, um, one thing that, you know, to kind of correlate with running is, you know, health, for example. Like, just because um, you didn't drink beer one weekend uh, or you decided to go for a walk um, doesn't mean that your health is going to change. It's going to be about consistency over a period of time. And I use this reference to my kids all the time. Don't be a gym rat, right? Because I was there. I was one, one of them. Just because you hang out in the gym doesn't mean you're going to get results. Same thing, like if you're walking, but your heart rate's not getting up, you're not going to get the same results as someone that walks fast enough to get the heart rate up. Um, And I'm not a health specialist, but um, this is just for information purposes. Um, I'm not really giving advice on this, but this is just my experiences. And so, uh, especially my older kid, I I joke with him all the time about if he's a gym rat when he goes to the strength and conditioning, don't hang out, right? Just get the workout in and have purpose. When When it comes to employee benefit programs, we lose purpose um, a lot of times, right? Most companies grow and then they start to struggle with their benefits program, um, I, really because of the, what they call the status quo, right? Um, the cost keeps going up. And so the first strategy they, they get jump into is we'll just eat the cost. We're trying to provide value to our employees. And then the next step is they go back to the broker and say, hey, you got to do something about this. I can't just keep beating it. So they go and negotiate with the carrier. And a lot of times on Affordable Care Act plans. So when you're 49 and under employees, you don't have any negotiations, zero. It's all age rated. There's nothing they can do. Um, you could switch carriers. That's about it. But there's they're, they're cookie cutter out of the box, and it is what it is. You could change plans. That's about it that you could offer. If you're 15 above, or in some cases even if you're 49 and under, and you're in a level funded or a self funded program. Uh, you have might have some um, wiggle room. So there's carrier, there's brokers out there that will go to the carrier and say, okay, I need, you know, this is a great client of mine. I don't want to lose them. And, you know, they're wonderful. They pay their bills on times. So they answer my phone calls. They're just great to work with. Can, is there anything you could do? And they come back and they shave a few points off. And uh, the agent's usually the broker, broker of the year and, you know, pounds his chest. And, you know, this strategy worked for a very, very, very long time. And then, um, it's no longer working anymore. Cost is going through the roof and it's an old style tactic that 
It just puts band-aids over things. Same thing with the next strategy people would use is increase your deductible and out-of-pocket expenses for the employees. That helps control the premium and then maybe reduce their employees' cost at the same time because the employers will eat some of it. And uh, in some cases, they'll just change carriers. So they'll just go to the different insurance company and then boom, all of a sudden you get a magic 10% decrease. And it's usually the decreases are usually off the renewal price, not the original pricing, just the way the brokers um, and it's just a sales tactic. Sometimes it's just reality, but I'm just saying that a lot of times they're like, well, I saved you 10 percent. Well, yeah, it's probably most likely off the renewal premium and you're still higher than what you were with uh, than the previous year. And then eventually you switch back to an insurance company. So there's like two or three major plays that brokers usually have in their their uh, their little briefcase and i'm not saying it's a bad thing a lot of its relationships um even with us in our office we have strong relationships with two or three carriers and and we can have we have leverage with each one of them and so uh there are go-to's and sometimes the go-to's are different between broker shops a lot of since the affordable care a lot of them are the same um, especially in the Midwest, but um, in other regions, it could be a little bit different where you have to definitely call three or four brokers to see what their go-tos are. But anyhow, a lot of times um, ends up being the same, same old, same old carrier, same old re- renewal routine. And a lot of times you get the renewal and you just stuck in it, stick it in a drawer after you have this argument with the insurance broker about costs going up and they just say well it's cost of services and their income is usually especially when you're over 50 employees uh depending on the market you might be directly tied to the premium their compensation and you really don't know that even though we are required to actually disclose their commissions nowadays but it just may not all readily be available for you make informed decisions and you kind of stick it in a drawer and you kind of just move on and and that's the status quo, right? That's just the way the world works and it goes around and the employee benefit program just keeps evolving. But how, do, how does change actually occur? And you're doing the same thing and it's the same reference where, where maybe the broker's just the gym rat, just hanging out, just doing his thing, going through a routine, but not really getting results. And then on top of that, he's coaching somebody else to do the same thing. And so now you just duplicate poor results. You have to make changes and you have to be consistent with it. Just because you throw one thing in uh, in there doesn't mean that it's going to change overnight. Same thing, just because you didn't drink beer one weekend or you decided to go for a walk for a week, it doesn't drastically change anything. It's just going to go back the way it used to be. And that's what happens with benefit programs. And it's unfortunate you implement strategies and then you give up the next year. That happens tons. We will implement programs in our office and say, okay, this is a multi-year lookout, right? It could be five years before you actually see the full result. And they'll quit in six months and say, well, this isn't working. We're going to switch. And it happens more often than you could ever imagine. They can't stay in the game. They lose the purpose of why we're doing this. And they go back to the same thing. It's, you know, um, same thing with our health programs. And you could relate it to anything else in your work workforce as well as personal life but if you don't become consistent and make those changes over a period of time you're going to see the same results nothing's going to change right you're just putting band-aids over it you know things change over time and so um you have to make the change in the game listen up butch wants to give you your own elite benefits playbook and it's absolutely free from business strategy to benefit strategy Every step from the start through implementation, account setup, and open enrollment. 
working through service requests and the process of renewals. A valuable look at your company, your insurance options, and how to make the process easier on you. Go now to EliteBenefits.net slash playbook and get your free Elite Benefits Playbook or give Butch a call today, 708-535-3006. But just to relate to something else, right? We just put Band-Aids over it. For a long time, I knew people that were doing the balance transfer games on credit cards, right? So eventually you're going to have to pay that debt, but they kept moving it back and forth and the snowball kept occurring and then they have huge amount of debts, right? They have to change the strategy in order to eliminate it. It just doesn't work. The same thing with turning upside down on car payments. Um, there was a number of people I've known where they just kept changing cars and they're way upside down. And eventually you're going to have to pay that back. Um, and and it'll be upside down in the meantime. And it's the same thing. We're always upside down on our health plans. Um, we're always trying to make changes, but never really do anything enough to make a difference. And so we're always stuck with the same problem. So there's a lot of things that come involved by just repeating the results over and over again. And we've seen this with strategies that we try to implement and the employer decides that they still want to do business with us, uh, but they want to go back to what they were doing. And there are days that we just want to start firing some of those clients because we're the consultant and we're trying to put them in a better spot and they're quitting early. It's like, well, if you're not going to listen to our advice, maybe we shouldn't do business. But, you know, we have long-term relationships with them and maybe one day they'll start listening a little bit more and part of that issue is how our compensation is. If they were actually paying us for that advice, they would value it better or more, and they would put more skin in the game because they're putting finances on the table. They're not paying for us in most cases. We're compensated through insurance premiums, which I think will be gone at some point, uh, and you will have to pay a consultant. Um, that business model is changing at, at, at the current moment it's just not widespread and so employers listening to this podcast be aware of that and i think you should pay for it free advice is not always the best thing in fact a lot there's a lot of people in business that say free advice is nothing right it's just the just a beer and a bar stool and that's really about it um, whereas if you actually pay for the advice there's skin in the game and you're actually gonna get better advice in most cases we've had employers that decide to stay the same route and they end up losing their current good employees over it because they went somewhere else because the strategy passed on more cost in some way when the employee is unhappy, so they leave. Or when you're hiring um, an employee, it's been more and more that uh, potential employees to be hired are asking for their benefit programs in advance. They want to see what the benefit offering is. They want to see not only the plans, but how much the cost is going to be. And that's happening more and more that, that I in the last 12 months than I've ever seen in my entire career. And so uh, you will lose potential new hires that are probably game changers for your company to become more profitable, all because you decide that you want to use old school tactics and old school strategies. And then on top of all of it, how about just using the same strategy and still overpaying for healthcare, right? There's a funding mechanism in the healthcare and you're putting premiums in a box, so to speak, and you could be overcharged for it and you have no idea because you're too scared to move away from the status quo. Right now it's renewal season and and I'm recommending just to change something, right? Implement a strategy and stick with it, right? Consistency is definitely key. You can't just uh, throw spaghetti in the wall, see what sticks, and that's going to change your whole health insurance plan. It might work for one employee, right? But it's not going to work for all of them. It may work for you and your specific family situation. But 
Uh, if you're trying to grow a company and the people that listen to this podcast are, uh, are probably struggling to grow their company or they're moving to a different um, arena that uh, they want more insight on. And this is definitely key because you want to change that strategy so you can not only keep the current ones you currently have and then also attract new ones based on their benefit plan. Here's some strategies that you should consider moving into the renewal season. And I would start right now, even if you're a small company, a mid-sized company, and you don't have the renewal in hand, the large companies already have them in hand or they're about to any week. Um, but, uh, and this is for January one, um, but even small companies, uh, were, are just about to get their October renewals if you're renewal renewing in October. And so it's still early in the game, but I'm telling you, do this now. Uh, I just forget about the status quo. Start reviewing these plans now. Figure out a different way of funding the health plan, right? And um, quit funding into um, cookie cutter box plans that um, are designed for the insurance company and not specifically towards your company. And change the plan designs, right? And not that you could customize everything, but just change the the way it's structured, right? You need insight from an expertise of somebody in the industry, such as um, not only just us, but there's plenty out there that could restructure some of the plan designs to provide more incentive for the employees to switch plans to save money, uh, but also provide incentives to allow your employees to just have better outcomes in healthcare, uh, more recommendations, access to information that they didn't have, maybe. Yeah, especially mid-sized companies, um, adding in a medical management company so that uh, you could manage, the employee could call and take time um, away from you as the employer, but put it in somebody else's hands that helps manage claims and help manage healthcare in general. Maybe implement a primary care or uh, direct primary care program where the employees doesn't have to pay anything at claim time. You're paying a stipend to a facility or doctor's office, and if they go there, there's no cost. But then also work with TPAs and other resources to provide resources so that if possibly if you go to a certain health system or facility that probably has a higher rating than you think, even though you've never heard of it before, then maybe there's no cost to the employees because the costs are lower. We did a podcast on this and there's data out there that in our industry, in the healthcare world, when it comes to medical providers, higher costs, usually less quality of care. Lesser cost usually means better outcomes, higher quality care. And so it's just the opposite. And then beware of the banners on the hospital that's usually covering up some other issues. And so just something to consider. The next thing is definitely about data. Most plans that are renewing um, in small and mid-sized market, they don't get data. And I tell you, shame on the CFO or, or the business owner that accepts the status quo that they're not receiving the data. And on some cases, you can't get it at all. If you go on a fully insured Affordable Care Act cookie cutter plan, you're not going to get it. They're, they're just not going to provide it to you. It's not available. It's all blended together. They can't break your company out. All these excuses. But I tell you, shame on you for not even exploring the idea that you could get a data report that you could look at, scrutinize if needed, and probably question things and maybe get more educated in the process. Uh, and I'm telling you, there's so many CFOs that say, well, that's an HR world, right? Like, that's not me. Well, you're just delegating a million dollar or multi-million dollar budget to somebody that has no control or incentive to control cost, nothing. And so, whereas a CFO is probably financially incentivized to reduce costs or control outcomes or produce better results in certain areas. So give it to somebody that has that incentive. And they should, because 
um, CFOs are going to be able to look at the report and analyze numbers a lot better than HR. HR is just trying to please employees and make sure you don't get in lawsuits. And of course, provide administration among the employee base. But these are things that should be looked at. And, and, and if you're getting the reports now, shame on you for not reviewing it. I tell you, uh, even my current clients ignore the reports and I keep reminding them and until they become a habit of, hey, review the report. If we could catch something early, we're better off. Um, there might be expenses that are going too high that you have control. A lot of the expense reports shows the, they don't show employee usage specifically, but they'll show what kind of usage is being performed. Like they'll list the most common drugs that are being used. Well, if you could analyze that and say, well, how can we find a better outlet for those who are taking those medications and provide that as a resource, uh, right? You can't know who's taking that medication, but you could just say, hey, uh, here's a list of medications that we realize are a high cost to our health plan. And if you're one of those who are taking this health plan, here are some other resources you could look at. You can't force people to change, but you could at least give them the option to um, help maybe reduce their cost overall. ER visits, right? That's a big one, right? And you're having high usage of the emergency room. Uh, you could provide um, urgent care reports and say, okay, here's all the local urgent care in, in the area that's in network recommend we recommend using this it's a reduced out of pocket not only for the employee but also for the health plan in general and so you could attack these expenses and i, I tell you you need to look at these reports um i had a fractional cfo on a podcast several weeks ago and we talked about this i actually did a screen share on zoom and actually showed him one of these reports um, and it was not recorded during that time frame, so there's no confidential data that was released. But I was showing it to him and showing him the areas, and he had said that out of 20 years that he's been doing this, that he had never seen that report of all the companies he's ever worked at. And he was his eyes were lighting up, and he's like, I could do so much with that data. Uh, you have no idea. And so, uh, and that was just a uh, random conversation after reviewing the podcast. And so I think um, that has something to say that CFOs are not looking for this. Maybe they're not aware of the data. The other thing is the speed of the game is getting faster. And that's with everything uh, in the workplace and, and at home, right? So technology is a big driving factor of that. And so during this review, I'm telling you, especially if you're a mid-sized company, you need to get off of paper and you need to go to technology. You're going to help HR manage the benefits a little bit better. You're going to manage payroll a little bit better. Even if you outsource that program, it's called administrative service organization or ASOs, outsource that and then pay an HR manager to manage it. I'm telling you, it's going to streamline your process so fast and it's going to reduce your costs. I don't care what they're really charging you. The ROI on that from wasted time perspective is going to be much bigger than whatever you pay for that. You could do it in-house too. Like we have technology programs to link with payroll and uh, we can put it all together and make it all seamless. And uh, at this point, we don't charge for it, right? If you're doing business with us, um, we can certainly do it. Uh, if you want to keep your broker and you want access to the system, just call our office. We'll probably charge a fee to get access to our technology. But again, it's not earth shattering. Technology has been around for a long time. In fact, payroll companies are competing for our business. You lose the consulting if you move to a payroll company for your benefits. Uh, we just talked to somebody on Monday um, and we have a call scheduled this week, but they they lost the consulting side of the benefits when they moved to the payroll company. Um, they don't know if they're in a good spot. They don't know if they should be doing something different. They have no idea. They get presented a renewal uh, if they want changes, they have to be proactive themselves on it. The 
call center is not really going to do anything. Even if they have a de- dedicated representative, they're still not doing anything. They're not consultants. They, they, they have no incentive to actually put you in a better spot. Uh, access to care, right? So you have to switch things up and, and see if you could reduce costs by, but also increase the access of care. Uh, another thing is compliance, right? And so compliance was, so just in the last 12 months, we've had several companies audited by the Department of Labor for multiple things. And one of the things that was brought up was, well, two things was related to employee benefit programs was a copy of the employee handbook and the ERISA wrap document. Most small to mid-sized companies barely have both. Um, if they have an ERISA wrap document, it's usually outdated. Most of them don't have it. They don't even realize what it was there for uh, or that it even existed. The the H, uh, the HR handbook or the employee handbook, um, that's been around, but most people have not updated it. It's been years. And so you need to update that and or utilize a service. Um, and we have access to one, so call our office, that you get updates on those um, uh, anytime something changes or should be updated on employee, you get a notification on it. You could click, okay, add that or decline it. And if you add it, you could download an updated copy and put it on your server or wherever employees get access to it. You could send out a notification, hey, the employee handbook was updated. Please review if you have questions, contact HR. So I'm just saying it's happened uh, and it may come to you and your doorstep. Uh, definitely, this is the time to get a second opinion. Uh, I, I, I totally love loyalty. My clients, I have clients that will um, always do business with me. Even if one day I decide that I'm going to retire, they're probably still going to call me first. And a lot of them I would probably still do for free because they're just great people. But but get a second opinion. You may have to pay for it. Like if you call our office and uh, just be upfront, hey, hey, we're going to probably stick with the same broker. We just need a second opinion. Well, you're probably going to pay for a report. Um, and and but you're going to own it. I'm going to give you all the details of what a snapshot of what your current plan or some ideas where you could go and then you're going to pay a fee for it. if if it's open for bid then um, that could be a different story um, but some brokers um, including us um, occasionally will charge the fee and refund it not as a financial incentive but it, it's it's more of um, part of the compensation package for the servicing for the year and so it's just the credit towards those fees uh, essentially what it is. it's not really a refund or rebate um, it's just more of a credit so definitely get the second opinion. We have an employee benefits playbook. Uh, it's on our website, elitebenefits.net forward slash playbook. You could fill out the questionnaire. We'll get your report. Definitely get some analysis and feedback to move you in a better spot. And I would say that's part of the consistency in the start, right? It, it, it could be a five-year outlook. Start now, even if you just say, okay, give me the report so I can mull on it. It might cost you more money to mull another year, but... Um, but definitely you can start moving in the right direction by getting the information versus not having the information. Maybe getting access to resources to save time and money so you can profit more.